Welcome to Leading with Intention with Monique Daniel. Over the next hour, you're going to learn how to lead more efficiently and effectively in a post-pandemic world where the workplace has changed dramatically. Now, here's Monique. Welcome to the show. I'm Monique. Thank you so much for joining me today. Communication in the workplace is more important than ever right now, but an added layer of complexity is all the various generations of employees. Leaders are wondering if their communication should be different when they work with these groups. Are they expected to adjust their leadership style? And if so, how do they do that? Our guest today will help us understand these dynamics. Joining us is Jennifer Wisdom. Jennifer is a psychologist, author, and consultant. She has a PhD in clinical psychology from the George Washington University and a Master's of Public Health in Epidemiology and Biostatistics. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for being here and helping us unpack this really complicated topic. And there's a lot of confusion around what the generations are in the workplace and how to describe them and what the age ranges are. Can you walk us through that for some clarification? Sure. Absolutely. So the oldest generation that's currently in the workforce and in the middle of retirement is the baby boomers who were born between 1946 and 1964. Um, most of them are reaching retirement age now or almost there. Uh, the next generation is my generation, Generation X. We were born between 1965 and 1979. And then millennials are the big group that everyone talks about a lot, uh, born between 1980 and 1997-ish, sometimes to 1999. And then Generation Z is the name of the group that was born after 1997, 1999, 2000. Um, there is, of course, another group after Gen Z. They don't have a name yet. Um, it will remains to be seen what their name is, but these will be essentially people born after about 2020 and beyond. Um, we don't know what they'll be called yet. <laughs> and why are these generational differences so important in the workplace? Yeah, absolutely. Um, a, a big part of why we're, why the generational differences are important is because our shared experiences that make us part of a generation, so not just happen to be when we were born, but the kinds of experiences that we share impact how we view the world. And I, I, I like to give the example of my mom, who is um, just right before the baby boomers, would tell me when I was a kid, I remember when the first family on my block got a television. And when you contrast that with millennials or Gen Z who grew up with a smartphone in their hands and with Facebook and Instagram and everything else in the entire internet right there, the differences in how we perceive the world and kind of the size of the world and our relationship to each other and our relationship to, to technology are so vast that it can't help but affect how we impact, how, how we communicate in the workplace. Similarly, there's other differences that are somewhat generational. So, for example, baby boomers generally expect some degree of deference to their opinions and kind of the sense of, well, I'm older and younger people should listen, whereas millennials and Gen Z are people who generally don't have fear of power and they feel that respect must be earned. And so those are, you know, two 
small but big differences in the workplace that can have really big impacts on how people communicate because people of different generations are going into conversations, are going into the workplace with very different assumptions about very basic aspects of work. And are any of the generations alike in any way? Oh, totally. I mean, there's there's a lot that we do have alike. So for example, um, all of our all of these groups, uh, if we're talking about Americans, we grew up in the US as Americans, and we're talking about folks overseas. There's a lot that we share as part of our nationality, as part of our being part of Western culture and being part of the world that we're in today. That said, that means that we have lots of opportunities to find common ground when we look for it and when we reach for it. Um, I think sometimes those differences may feel like they outweigh the commonalities. And that's what I'm seeing in coaching when my clients, leaders come to their sessions and they're leading teams of people that have all these different generations on the teams and they are only pointing out the differences. They are right. not recognizing the areas of likeness. So for them, it's just really, really difficult to lead groups of people like this. Yeah, I think, you know, in any group of people, you can find lots of differences and you can certainly find places where we can disagree. What I have found in my years in the workforce and working with lots of organizations as a consultant and as a psychologist is that in general, we're about 80%, 90% on the same page. Sometimes we might have to dig really deep to find that, but even if it's the point of we are all in agreement, we are here to make the service, uh, the services this organization provides successful. We are here to help our clients. We are here to help our customers. Can we agree on that? Yes. Okay, great. That's a starting place. Now, next step, what else can we agree on? And if you search for ways to find agreement, then that helps put things in perspective because we may think, you know, one person says we should launch tomorrow and the other person says we need to work more and, you know, launch in two months. That's minor compared to the things that we have in common and the things that we agree on. And those little things can be worked out once we clarify how much we're all interested in the, po the same positive outcome. We're all interested in helping the clients, helping the customers. We just have differences of opinion on how to do that and what the next steps are and how we communicate about it. We can resolve those. And I think also a lot of leaders, at least tell me in coaching, that Gen Xers and boomers are lazy that that's what they're seeing. How can a leader change their perspective about that? Yeah, absolutely. So what, um, first of all, let me start with saying, although it is helpful to use these generalizations to help understand each other, name calling is never productive. So the older generations, boomers and Gen X, saying that millennials and Gen Z are lazy um, doesn't help anything, really doesn't help. Um, and I would also add, it might not be based in reality. Most of the millennials and Gen Z folks that I have met with through my work, through my podcast, through writing books and through interviewing them, they are working multiple side hustles. They are working their tails off. They didn't have the same experience that many baby boomers had where you could get a college degree without going into debt for $60,000, where there could be a family of four that survived on one person's income where a 
middle-class job could help you buy a house. Those are not situations that these young people are in. And I think sometimes those of us in the older generations, baby boomers or Gen X, sometimes forget how different the world is now and how 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 some of the things that we took for granted are no longer things that can be that the younger people can take for granted and that even if people don't seem like they're very motivated at work um, or in the workplace maybe that's because they're working another two jobs maybe that's because they're worried about paying their student loans maybe it's because every time they come to work somebody's calling them lazy you know, I use the example of if you walk by someone's cubicle or someone's office and you see someone on their phone, you see someone who's 50, 55 looking at their cell phone, what are the assumptions you make? And almost always when I ask this question, people say, oh, they're just checking a message or they're calling their, their home or there's an issue or something like that. Okay. So example two, you're walking by someone's office or cubicle and you see a 25-year-old on your phone. Almost every time... People say, oh, they're checking social media. They're on TikTok. They're wasting time. Really? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so let's think mm -hmm. about those assumptions that we make. Sometimes they're accurate. And if they are, we need to follow up on that. But many times they're not. And kind of the, the constant toll of making of having those assumptions made about you can be really difficult, especially when you don't feel that those are accurate. What is a good way for leadership to shift that mindset to shift their own internal bias great uh, great question i think the first thing is for a leader is to identify what's happening so if people make comments at work like i'm old enough to be your mother or you weren't even alive on 9 11 or if younger people are saying oh i wasn't even born then or things like that let's try to not have those comments in the workplace let's not refer to people's age and, and life experience to the extent we can. So that's step one is recognizing it when it's happening and trying to keep um, the comments that highlight those differences down to a minimum. I think the second stage is to try to find those commonalities. Um, sometimes there are opportunities to put people together where, you know, using some, exa some stereotypical examples, some baby boomers or Gen X folks are interested in technology and younger people are assumed that they know everything about technology. So maybe you can have the young people teach the older people something. Maybe the younger people would really benefit from hearing from the people with more work experience and more life experience about political aspects of their job and about communication or strategy for how to get things done. There are ways to bring these groups together to help them learn from each other and that's so much more valuable than pitting them against each other or turning a blind eye to some of the hostilities that, that people may feel right now. Do you think employee resource groups are helpful in the workplace? Like if there were employee resource groups for each of these generations where people can join the groups and learn like they do with any other ERGs in the workplace, is that something that would be helpful? That's a good question. Um, I, I found the employee research groups are resource groups, sorry, are helpful um, for people that are underrepresented in the workforce. So having a ERG for African Americans or for Asians or for LGBT groups um, has often been helpful. For the generations, I think um, I think it's very possible that those could be helpful. I'm not sure 
people really want to identify as their generation. I had joked at one point of making some t-shirts that said like, this is what a millennial looks like. And I talked to some millennial friends and they're like, oh no, no, I wouldn't do that. People would just make fun of me. I'm not going to identify that. And honestly, I have never fully identified as Gen X. That is firmly my generation, but that's not a major part of my identity. So I think part of the difference between generational groups and other ERGs is that someone's race or LGBT status is often considered a major part of their identity, but a lot of people don't see this generational part as a major part of their identity and might not be willing to identify with that in the workplace. Mm, Yeah, that's a good point. Another big problem that I'm hearing about is leaders are coming to sessions saying that they have older generations on their team who work really hard for promotions and that those the older generations realize you have to work hard and be part of the grind to get a promotion. The younger generations might be brand new to the company and in six months they want a promotion. Mm-hmm. So the older generation feels that the younger ones are have this feeling of entitlement. They are they don't have to work for what they get. How would a leader rectify that discrepancy? Yeah, absolutely. So I think there's there's two sides to this one as well. So the first is, I think those those of us in the older generations, boomers and Generation X, we were in a workplace, we came up in a workplace that wasn't necessarily fair either, where you have to pay your dues and you have to do work that, you know, maybe you don't feel like you need to keep doing this before you get promoted or you see people who are already promoted because they're older and not because they're better at what they do. And I think sometimes we have this sense, this those of us who are older may have this sense of, you know, we had to do this. These were the rules we had to play by, so you have to play by them too. So that can sometimes not work very well with the younger generations who are much more questioning of uh, tradition and much less respectful of tradition. That said, you know, nobody wants to be the 50-year-old in a workplace with the 25-year-old, you know, immediately outranking them and making more money than them um, just because they speak up about it. So I think the ways to, to work with this are to be very clear and answer questions that are often difficult to answer. What does it mean by paying your dues? I don't even like that phrase, but kind of what, what does it take for promotion to the next level? And what does that mean? And I think the places where this often becomes a challenge is built, uh, businesses don't have clear guidelines. So they don't have, like in the, in the military, for example, I'm an Army veteran, and they have rank, you have to have a certain time in service and a certain time in rank before you can be eligible for promotion. And then there's very clear criteria. You have to do this and you have to pass that and you have to do this. It's very clear. And in most organizations, it's not clear. And they don't have any time at organization or time and rank requirements. And it doesn't mean they have to. I'm not saying the military is the best way to do things, but at least it's clear or clearer. Um, so answering those difficult questions, what? so for example, a, a younger person might say, I don't understand why I'm not a manager. And the older person may be thinking, well, you haven't had experience managing people. You don't seem to communicate well with people. You know, you're not always following through. You know, those kinds of things. There may be some actual concerns, but the older person or the senior person isn't comfortable sharing those concerns or having those difficult conversations that say, you know, here are some things that I think would serve you well moving forward. 
And then, of course, the younger people might feel like those are unfair expectations or how can I get the experience without getting the position and all that kind of stuff. So it gets very tangled up. That said, I think the way through it is have the difficult conversations and talk about how what how younger people can be successful moving forward and the kinds of um, skills they need to learn and the kind of experiences they need to have that will make them more effective in those senior positions. What I have found as a coach is that the most successful organizations have what we call a career ladder, mm -hmm. where it's a very clear-cut progression into the higher levels, the higher rankings of the career, and that they are having career conversations on a regular basis with all of their people, no matter what generation they're in, and that those expectations, so they're not only laid out in the career ladder, but they are being verbally communicated on a regular basis. And there are individual development plans to help people plan for their progression. So it's very um, structured compared to other organizations that don't have anything. So yeah. Right, and my experiences are quite different. And maybe it's because I work a lot in uh, healthcare and in organizations where it seems like things are always an emergency, everything's understaffed, the work is is time sensitive and health sensitive, safety sensitive, that often those conversations aren't there. In some places they are. And I, I know many organizations are trying to get that um, progressive ladder uh, for promotion together, but sometimes it's really challenging. So I think it really does depend a lot on the kind of um, field you're in and the nature of the work that you're doing as to how clear that is. I think also nonprofits are sometimes less clear about that than larger corporations because they don't have the same human resources um, that the larger groups have. We're here with Jennifer Wisdom talking about the importance of generational differences in the workplace. We're going to take a quick break, and when we return, we'll hear about how an age-diverse workforce can benefit clients and customers. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. At MD Consulting, we provide executive coaching to leaders struggling with workplace challenges and pain points. Unlike other coaching companies that use a Band-Aid approach, we have a specific set of tools and processes to thoroughly root cause and unpack a client's challenges. Our specialized method helps you implement measurable and sustainable solutions to enhance your leadership skills and develop your team. Visit www.mdconsultingglobal.com to book a complimentary breakthrough session. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. 
If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Welcome back to Leading with Intention with Monique Daniel. Have a question for Monique or her guests? Email Monique at Monique at MDConsultingGlobal.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. If you've just tuned in, we've been talking to Jennifer Wisdom about the intergenerational workforce. Jennifer, we've talked about some things that leaders can do to help shift their own mindset and their own bias. What are some things they can do to help the different generations get along with each other? Because there's a lot of that happening too. And some feel the certain generations are more motivated and others are not. And there's a lot of, I guess, infighting amongst teams where there's all these different generations. So what can leaders do to help these generations feel a little more comfortable with each other? Absolutely. So one is to take a look at organizational practices again those of us i'm gen x and baby boomers we've we've worked with organizational practices that are not necessarily supportive of us as humans (laughs) you know they're not always supportive of work-life balance or diversity and inclusion and things like that so taking a look at those organizational practices that can support millennials and and Gen Z and actually support all of us can be really helpful. So for example, rather than accepting turnover as inevitable, shift the organizational culture to identify everyone's talent and work with their talent effectively. And that also increases job loyalty. So addressing those employee needs that again, maybe some of us in Gen Z and baby boomers just kind of assumed we're not going to be addressed. And then sometimes we feel offended that millennials and Gen Z assume they will be addressed can be really important. And this is growth opportunities rather than paying your dues. Um, Diversity and inclusion. Millennials and Gen Z expect diversity and inclusion. They are shocked and offended when it's not there. And I think that's a good thing. Um, Sustainability. Millennials and Gen Z are very interested in not just uh, having a job and making money, but also in that the work they're doing matters and the work they're doing is environmentally conscious and it's um, safe and it's it's positive for the world. So emphasizing the good that your organization's doing can be helpful. Um, mentoring on leadership. Many of us have had experiences where people get promoted into leadership because they're good at the thing that they do. They're a good accountant, they're a good therapist, they're a good whatever, and then they get promoted into leadership and there's not a whole lot of support for how to be a good leader. So mentoring people specifically about that. And then of course, along with that, promoting relational literacy, emotional literacy, promoting that part of the work that is often most challenging. So we're trained as an accountant or a a banker or whatever we're trained, a psychologist, the work itself isn't what people tend to find challenging. They don't get challenged by the accounting work. It's the working with my colleagues, working with my boss, understanding these different expectations, the difference between what the organization's stated culture is and what the actual culture is. That's what really throws people, especially young people, and that's what it takes a lot of work to figure out. 
that's also where Gen X and baby boomers can really be of service to the younger people to help them understand how workplaces work and help them grow and thrive within those workplaces. You made several really good points here that I also see in coaching. One, that leaders get promoted into leadership without having any support as far as how to be a leader. Uh, that's one of the reasons I started this show is to offer resources and have subject matter experts like yourself come on and, and help leaders gain more knowledge and information. But the other thing I'm seeing is that when the younger generation comes to coaching and they want coaching on job search, so they're, they're looking for a, another job. And when I ask them what they value, they do say diversity, inclusion, sustainability, company, they specifically look for companies like that. Mm -hmm. And if they get offered a job from a company that does not have those things, no matter what amount of money they get offered, I have seen them turn, just turn it down. Yep. It's just not important to them. And I admire that actually, that they're looking for those kinds of things. But that's something the older generation, when they come to coaching for job search, that's not what they're always looking for. So it is very right. different. Right. I think there are some expectations both in in the U.S. culture and then certainly with the older generations around work is not supposed to be enjoyable. Work is the grind. Work is the thing you have to do so that you can live your life. But then work kind of takes over your life and you have no work-life balance. And I think because millennials and Gen Z were raised by baby boomers and Gen Xers, I think they are seeing things differently. They, you know, with in the 90s and the early 2000s, they are seeing, you know, parents who spent their whole lives at companies get laid off and they're seeing the impact of the recession and they're seeing the, the challenges in the banking industry. They're seeing that all of these things that their parents and the older generations told them, if you work harder, you'll be rewarded. If you put money away, it'll be there for your retirement. If you invest in education, you'll be set with a good job. Those things aren't true for those junior organ those junior people. Um, and in many cases, they're not true for many Gen Xers either. You know, it's no longer the case that bachelor's degree will get you a good solid job. You know, you still have to compete to be a barista with a bachelor's degree. There's nothing wrong with being a barista, but those challenges have those things that we older generations may still believe. Education will get you there, kind of it's a meritocracy. Those are things where the junior, the younger generations are just saying, that's just not plain, it's just plain not true. And so they don't want to play the game because they see that the game's rigged. It's not fair. How does a diverse workforce benefit clients and customers? Absolutely. So there have been many studies that show that diversity of perspective, which can include um, people's upbringing, disciplinary differences, um, seniority level differences, result in better work products, more satisfied customers, higher returns on investment and things like that. So there's a lot of those studies that are out there. And I would say as someone working in an environment, um, I'm a lifelong learner. I promote that among people that I work with. And you know, I, I think the perspective of, well, I finished my degree or I finished my training, so therefore I know everything I need to know that's just not reality based. And so when I'm working with people who are different from me, it challenges me. And I appreciate that. 
I don't, I'm not threatened by it, or at least I don't think I am threatened by it. I really want to learn. How does this come from your perspective? What, what did you learn from your experiences that can be useful here? What's another way of looking at this? How can we do this better? I've done it this way before. How have you done it? What do you think would help? And that conversation, which does take time, but often it can make the product even better or it makes the customer service or the, the care or whatever is being offered by the company better because there's more perspectives and there's more input. That does require the communication and being able to appreciate and respect the contributions of all the individuals there and an effective way to do that in a time sensitive manner. We don't have all day to discuss everything. We do need to move something out. So how do we have that discussion? How do we make a decision in a way that is respectful and yet also is productive? So customers and clients can really benefit from the creativity that can come from these discussions, the innovation, and maybe even efficiencies that can happen when you've got all these different generations contributing their knowledge and expertise. Right. I think especially when you have customers and clients who are diverse themselves. I mean, for so long you've had, you know, Mad Men's an example where you have a advertising agency where everyone's white and male, and that doesn't necessarily work to sell products to people who are not white or male or both. And having people that represent different groups in there can help speak to the other individuals, not just for selling things, but for providing services that are sensitive to the needs of other people. And again, the older generations, I think, tend to get more stuck in this around um, they shouldn't have different needs or that my assumptions or my expectation for what I think the need is should be fitting for everyone when that's often not the case. And having people who are different than us on our committees and in our groups helps us see that our assumptions might not be accurate and, and ways that we can work around that to provide better service, to provide a better product. Let's talk about knowledge transfer for a minute. When <laughs> I was in my corporate career and working under the HR umbrella, I was doing training, internal coaching, leadership development, and curriculum development. And even at that time, knowledge transfer was an issue because the older generations were retiring and mm -hmm. we were scrambling to try to figure out how to capture their vast knowledge that they kept in their head that wasn't put anywhere. And it's still a problem now. It's re you know retaining that information, uh, transferring it before somebody leaves the workplace. So how can leaders capture that knowledge as the older staff retires? Yeah, that is a huge issue. That is an absolutely huge issue because so many baby boomers are retiring um, now and there's so much that's lost. Um, so I think part of the challenge is that individuals may feel that they don't want to share their knowledge if they're not feeling adequately respected for that knowledge. So you can imagine if there's a young person who comes in and says, you know, I, you need to earn your respect from me, that older person isn't going to say, sure, let me share what, what I want here uh, with you. And so I think the managers and consultants and psychologists, leaders all have a role to play in facilitating that. So helping the different generations get along, 
helping them respect what each person brings to the table, um, both in a DEI perspective, diversity, equity, and inclusion perspective for our gender and racial background and religious background and so on, but also, and also from our generational perspective. Um, there's a lot to be gained from that. And that's where managers and leaders really have their work cut out for them. Yeah, and I don't think there are adequate processes in place to be capturing information on a regular, consistent basis, you know, putting together policies and procedures and job aids and all of that, it it should, I came from the learning and development department. And those types of protocols should be in place on a regular basis. But training or learning and development is always the last thing people think about until somebody's leaving the workplace or somebody's retiring. So, yes. And so I, I very much appreciate protocols, um, procedures, having everything written down so that we don't have to reinvent the wheel every time. So we know what the parameters are. We know what the boundaries are on what it is that we're here to do. That said, I've been involved with creating a lot of those that are almost immediately obsolete. And if they're not maintained and if they're not updated and if they're not questioned, then they become not helpful. Now, as a psychologist, kind of, Everything we do is based on a relationship. And I think as as helpful as the policies and the procedures are, when there are relationships between people, between a baby boomer who's three years from retirement and someone who's 25 who just started at this workplace, when they develop a relationship, when they engage with each other, when they respect each other's differences, when they learn about each other, when they ask what's happening, when the they mentor each other on aspects they might not be aware of, that is where that true, to me, that's where that true knowledge transfer happens. Um, there's a lot we can learn from books and policies and procedures, and there's a lot that we can't learn from that, that we really need to learn through experiences. And I think many of us, um, regardless of our age, have had the, the um, feeling of, you know, I wish this difficult experience I had could be helpful to someone else. I, I wish I could save someone else having to learn this lesson the hard way. Well, the way we do that isn't necessarily by writing it down, it's by communicating it and developing, developing relationships with people who are then open to hearing what we have to say and open to learning from us. How do you think the post-COVID dynamic has impacted the behavior of these various generations? Oof. Oof, how much time do we have? <laughs> That's a lot. That's a lot. Um, well, I think, you know, one major way in the workplace is that workplaces around the world and definitely in the U.S. have been saying there's pre-COVID. We can't possibly do work from home. That's never going to work. We can't do telemedicine. We can't do this. We can't do that. And with COVID, surprisingly, we can do a lot of those things and the world didn't fall apart and people are still productive and things are still happening. It's not perfect, but it's working. And I think that COVID, you know, despite how horrific it was and the millions of people who died, I think there is also an opportunity in the workplace. It sounds weird to say that about a pandemic, but there is an opportunity for major change in how we, we get along and how we conduct business. You know, being able to streamline and and strengthen uh, secure connections for working from home has helped a lot of baby boomers and Gen Xers too. 
a lot of baby boomers were saying, wait, I've been commuting an hour each way to work for 30 years and I don't have to. Huh. I kind of like this. And the Gen X or the Gen Zs are saying, well, yeah, <laughs> of course. So it really can benefit all of us. I think also um, because we're not face-to-face -face as much um, in the workplace, the, there's not as much you know, eyes on work, supervisors and managers have to find different ways to connect with their employees. They have to find different ways to communicate with them, to um, measure what's happening, to, to ensure productivity or to make sure things are moving the way they need to. And that's been a significant change as well. We have to communicate in a different way. We've been talking to Jennifer Wisdom about things that leaders can do to help the different generations get along better in the workplace. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're gonna hear a little bit about what Jennifer thinks is gonna happen after Gen Z. We'll get her opinion on that. So stay with us, we'll be right back. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. At MD Consulting, we provide executive coaching to leaders struggling with workplace challenges and pain points. Unlike other coaching companies that use a Band-Aid approach, we have a specific set of tools and processes to thoroughly root cause and unpack a client's challenges. Our specialized method helps you implement measurable and sustainable solutions to enhance your leadership skills and develop your team. Visit www.mdconsultingglobal.com to book a complimentary breakthrough session. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Are you ready for a disaster? If you are like many people in the world, that answer may sadly be no. Disasters happen unexpectedly to people just like you every day. Tune into Preparing for the Unexpected with business continuity and disaster planning expert, Alex Bullock. The show will not only help you better prepare for a disaster itself, but also to prepare you, your place of employment and community for the aftermath, emotionally, financially, and with a better level of awareness and a stronger feeling of resiliency. Tune in Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Leading with Intention with Monique Daniel. Have a question for Monique or her guests? Email Monique at Monique at MDConsultingGlobal.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Leading with Intention. Hope you're enjoying the show. We're here with Jennifer Wisdom talking about what it means to have an age diverse workforce. Jennifer, after Generation Z, what do you foresee or what has some of your research shown you? Oh my goodness. Well, there's so many questions and I, I, about what's gonna happen next. Um, I, my prediction is that the next generation um, will be in part defined by the pandemic. Um, these are young people who grew who were in school in elementary school or high school during the pandemic and who have had 
um, experiences that are just unprecedented, um, both in the physical separation from other people and the isolation there physically, but also the simultaneous connectivity um, through technology that has never before been possible. So uh, my prediction is that that's where we're looking at. And then as a defining factor of that generation, and then as far as how they communicate and um, manage in the workforce, I think it'll be really interesting to see what what the changes that the pandemic brought to workplaces, how those end up putting, you know, moving forward. We heard, we've heard a lot over the last couple of years where workforces are saying, oh, okay, all employees need to come back. And the employees are saying, no, we don't want to do that. And, you know, what's happening with all the office space in big cities and what are policies for organizations around working in person versus not for traveling versus um, meeting over uh, video conferencing and things like that. So as those things continue to work out, work themselves out, that will continue to play out with the new generations. These are also folks that may be doing a lot of their high school or college uh, virtually. And what does that mean for how we connect to people and how they connect to people? It'd be really interesting. How did you get interested in generational work? Ah, great question. Well, I, I've always been a fan and supporter of the underdog. And when I got started in this about eight or 10 years ago, there was just an enormous amount of, um, of, noise about millennials, you know, books like Not Everyone Gets a Trophy or Managing the Millennials or Millennial Whisper, like, like there's some sort of other breed of human or that they, they need special handling um, by other people. And I noticed all these books are out there about how Gen X and baby boomers can manage millennials, but there wasn't anything for how millennials can survive and, and make it in this kind of workplace where everyone's saying they're lazy and entitled and everything else and not recognizing the strengths that they have to offer. So I started working in that space and I um, started the Millennials Guide series with Millennials Guide to Work and then Millennials Guide to Management and Leadership. And we've now expanded to, we have 10 or 11 books now and more on their way out um, uh, to be uh, published this year around uh, different ways that millennials can be supported in the workplace. And they're all set up so that it's uh, challenge-based. So if you're having a problem with this issue, just turn to this page and here's 10 or 15 things you can do to try to address that issue. And then you can use it as a reference guide and to help you make choices about how to move forward. So um, I started moving in that space and have had a really positive response from young people saying, this is what I needed. As well, I've had an, a positive response from Gen Xers and baby boomers saying, I wish I had this book. I wish I had this kind of guide because I'm not getting the kind of mentorship or kind of practical advice that I would like to get at work if my, uh, you know, office mate brings stinky food or if my colleague takes credit for my work or if my boss is disrespectful or if I think I might be ready to change jobs. They're not finding a lot of support on that and that's where I'm trying to fill in that gap. And then we're also starting to expand the Millennials Guides to Gen Z Guides as well. Um, so happy to help the next generation as well. So your books and products are a great support for these younger generations. In the workplace, in addition to mentoring, is there anything else that leaders really can do to help the younger generations be more successful? Totally, 
Totally. I'm so glad you asked. So I mentioned first is deleting negative attitudes and negative comments about their generation. Not helpful. Not helpful at all. Um, second is, uh, I love you, this word as a verb, hero your people. Help your staff and the junior people especially connect their work to social causes or to the good that they're doing in the world. Help them see meaning in what they're doing. Um, increasing organizational openness. So again, we, some of us older generations may have the perspective of, I shouldn't have to explain why you should just do it because I'm the boss or because I'm the older person. You can have that perspective. However, that's not very helpful. It would be more helpful to say, okay, let's talk about why. Let's talk about what led to this and help them learn, help them understand why things are the way they are or why we're asking the question and help them learn and help them you know, recognize their contributions around um, how they might have a different perspective and be able to make it better. We can't change everything all the time, but help engage with that conversation so they can learn. Uh, communicating feedback. The number one thing that millennials in the workplace and Gen Z in the workplace want is I want feedback. People have said, I have been at this job for a month that I still haven't had to sit down with my boss. They want to know how they're doing. And again, older generations can say, well, I didn't get feedback or they shouldn't be so neat. You can come up with all kinds of things. However, they're asking for feedback. Give them feedback. You want them to change their behavior? Give them feedback. <laughs> like that seems pretty straightforward there. And then of course, it's helpful to... Um, engage the junior people around the culture of the workforce. They're very interested in fairness, in uh, representation, in diversity, in inclusion. So engage with them on that. Great. Help them do that and then provide those opportunities for them to pursue their passions within their work. Um, all of those, uh, you know, much of that would fall under the rubric of mentoring, but it's specific actions that can help engage the younger generations and most importantly can help them learn and grow so that they can step into more senior roles. How would you say your generation is important to you? Uh, um, I sigh with that because as Gen X, um, I remember seeing uh, when I was younger, the movie Reality Bites, which was about some slackers who could, were trying to figure out what they wanted to do with their lives. And it was hailed as the voice of my generation. And I was like, no, that is not the voice of my generation. So I contrast that with um, the generation before the baby boomers um, that were born before 1945 and they are called the greatest generation. And so I joke, that's what happens when you get to name your own generation. You can call yourself the greatest generation. Um, I don't, I, you know, I, because I've been doing this work, I relate much more to being a Gen X. Um, I absolutely relate to some of the stereotypes about Gen X that we are um, not as uh, directly um confrontative, um, that we're generally comfortable with authority, that we're willing to work hard if we understand why. I relate to some of that, um, but I also kind of see, even though I'm right in the middle of Gen X, I think I see a lot of um, different perspectives from people of different ages. So um, I relate more as Gen X now that I'm talking about generations, um, but some of those stereotypes don't feel um, like they land for me, I think the same way. 
they don't land for other people. I've talked to plenty of millennials who say, why does everyone think I know how to do technology? I don't know how to do technology just because I'm 20 years old doesn't mean I know this stuff. So, you know, I think we have to be careful of that too. There are some generalities and there's also, you know, an importance to recognizing individuals. How can our listeners reach you or find out more about your books? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, millennialsguides.com is where all the books are. Um, I think we're up to 12 now, 11 or 12. Um, so all the books are available there. All the books are available on amazon.com and wherever books are sold. Um, so you can look them up that way. And then uh, to get in touch with me, I am at jennifer at leadwithwisdom.com. That's my email. You can tell I'm Gen X because I'm not giving an Instagram handle <laughs> or a TikTok channel. Um, just email's good for me. So Jennifer at leadwithwisdom.com. You've been listening to Leading with Intention today on the Voice America Business Channel. Our amazing guest has been Jennifer Wisdom. Jennifer, thank you for being here. And thanks to all of you for supporting the show. We will talk again next week. And until then, don't forget to lead with intention. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Leading with Intention. Our intention is that you walk away from this show today with new tools, techniques, and insights that help you lead more effectively and have greater impact within your company. Until we talk again, have a great week.